just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men. This is bleak, and in Romans, as a letter, the whole letter has several passages that describe just how bad the curse of sin is in the world. Um, this is grim. And, uh, and honestly, when I've got friends where when I read passages like this or I share passages like this from the Bible with them, they think, gosh, like, this is depressing. <laughs> like, why do you talk about this kind of stuff? Like, why would I want to describe life like this? That death comes through one man, that sin comes through one person, that death spreads to everybody. Um, this is so depressing. Um, and then there are other people that I talk with. And when they hear verses like this, they think, wow, hey, I'm, I'm glad that somebody is being honest about how bad things can be in this life, right? So you kind of have two different perspectives, two different uh, ends of the spectrum. Um, and I can say that this letter does describe how bad the curse is, um, but it always describes the curse of sin in the context of announcing the amazing news of Jesus, okay? That, that God has dealt with the curse of sin through Jesus. That's the announcement of the book of Romans. That's the backdrop. It's the topic sentence of the entire letter, okay? And so, and this is important because this teaches us the fact that this verse and the next few verses describe things that are so universally depressing, um, we need to know that the Bible does this in context, and it does this with this. It's really the first point that I want you to write down, um, and that's this. It's share the good news with the bad. Okay, That's what the letter does. Um, this letter only and always shares the bad news in context of the good news. Don't be like me, okay, because... 26 years ago when I started following Jesus, I thought that I had to convince people of the bad news before I could share with them the good news. And so I spent all my energy and all my breath trying to convince people they were broken, rotten, awful people. And until they would admit that, I wouldn't tell them what God has done through Jesus because I wanted it to be this like dramatic, cool thing, right? And once you admit this, once you understand this, then, right, you can experience the goodness of the good news. Nobody seemed to want to pay any attention to me. I don't know why. Couldn't figure it out. It's because I wasn't doing what the book of Romans does. That yes, it has very stark and grim statements about humanity and the human condition, but it always does this in the context of the amazing, glorious news of the gospel. The good news that God has acted in the world to rescue us and to save us. Now, where do we see that here in this verse? Well, we see it in the first word. It's the word, therefore. The word therefore ties what is being said in this verse with all that has just been said about Jesus. What has just been said in the first five chapters of this letter, if you go back and start over from the beginning, you will see that Jesus has brought God's power into the world to rescue people from the bad news of sin and death. 
And so we see there's this whole list of blessings that flow from Jesus. His blessings include forgiveness from sin, freedom from the power of sin to control us. We got slides here. They're going to list these, these blessings out. So forgiveness, freedom from sin's power, a right relationship with God. The fact that God loves us and isn't angry with us anymore, but now God accepts us as we are, and God is at work in us to help us become the best versions of ourselves, right? These blessings come at us over and over and over and over again in this letter, and then they continue. There's more blessings that come from Jesus. Jesus brings us into his family, We are actually united with everyone who believes in him in this new family of God that crosses over boundaries, that crosses over national boundaries, political boundaries, social boundaries, economic boundaries. We are one family with God as our father and Jesus as our older brother. Um, We have assurance that God actually loves us. We know that for sure. We have real peace with God that filters into every problem and difficulty that we're dealing with. And we have hope now in God's promised future. And so we experience God's powerful love today because of his Holy Spirit. It fills our hearts and our lives. And our present experience of God's love guarantees us that no matter what this life brings, we will be with God forever. That's what we've seen as we've looked at this letter. All of these blessings that just come at us one after another, after another, after another. And we have all of these blessings not because of anything that we have done. We didn't earn these blessings from God. We didn't do anything to make us worthy of receiving them. But we have these blessings from God because of what Jesus did. This is the gospel. It's not our work that has changed the curse on the world, but Jesus did something that changes everything. The world was a certain way, but Jesus did something that changed everything for those who follow after him. It changed everything for Jesus' followers, both now and forever. This is what Paul just finished saying in the first five chapters of this letter, that the world's been changed because of what Jesus did. And this reminds Paul, if you, I, I want some of you, I mean, not all of you are going to care this much, but I want you to be able to trace the line of thought that Paul has. Paul's been explaining the blessings that come and the good news of Jesus. And he realizes that what he has said is, dang, the world was a certain way. Jesus did something and now everything is different. Not because of what we did, but because of what Jesus did. And in Paul's thinking, Paul's like, wait, wait, this reminds me of something else. This reminds me of someone else who also changed the world by what he did. Okay? Are you tracking? Like, this is what Paul is is doing, and this is what causes Paul to write verse 12 and following. Jesus does something to defeat the curse of sin, and it changes everything for his followers. It's like the reality that what Adam did changed everything for his followers. And so the passage that we're going to look at over the next four weeks, Romans 5, verses 12 through 21, it compares and contrasts the work of Adam and Jesus. Um, And it it compares and contrasts the impact of their work on the world. And so Jesus is like Adam in that both did something revolutionary that affects everyone who follows them. And so the verse today explains that Adam's actions were radically negative. 
Um, Verse 12 says, sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men. And again, Paul can describe how bad the curse in the world is because of what he said about Jesus. Paul can be honest about the problem because the solution is here, right? It's the hope and the joy that comes from Jesus that lets us be fully honest about the curse that comes from Adam, okay? And so Paul says, look, let's be honest. Share the good news along with the bad and more people will be honest about the bad, Okay, sometimes the reason people aren't willing to join us in our analysis of the problems in the world or the problems in our human hearts. Sometimes you might describe some of your own sin and your struggle with other people and they kind of like step back or they lean back a little bit. They're not really wanting to go there with you because they don't know. Like, it's kind of like when you feel like someone that is on another side of, of an, like think politically, right? When someone on the other side politically is arguing about something and they say something, you're like, that might be true, but I'm afraid of what you're going to do if I agree with you, you know? So they lean back. Um, it's important for us to talk about the good news of Jesus when we talk about how broken things are out there and in here so that people could know that we have hope. People can know that we're not just trying to sign on to describe in the worst possible ways the world, but we're describing something and we're free to be honest because of the hope of Jesus. And so we want to share the good news with the bad. Now, the second point that we want to see from this verse after the word therefore is that Adam's brokenness brought sin and death. Okay, Adam's brokenness brought sin and death. And this was the prevailing understanding of Paul's day. If you asked somebody, hey, what's wrong with the world? Uh, Then most of the Jews, if you said, why is the world so broken? They would have said, well, the problem is sin and sin entered the world through Adam. He was the first human being. And Paul is saying here, sin came into the world through that one person, and then death came through sin. Now, if you know the story of Adam, and you see what Paul is saying here, that the entire world is infected by sin and death, you might be tempted to say, come on, wait, hold on. Didn't he just eat some fruit? Like He broke a rule. Like, is that enough to curse the whole world? Well, what Adam did was was more than that. Um, That one rule was highly symbolic. In the Garden of Eden, that rule meant relationship. Okay, because in not following God's ways, in not following the one rule that God gave to Adam and Eve, Adam actually turned away from God. He was rejecting God's ways, and so Adam was rejecting God himself. And in this, we need to understand that at the heart of every one of God's rules is a relationship. In fact, I think from God's perspective, God is not so much concerned about the rules as he is about the relationship that we have with him. The relationship is so much more important than the rules. Okay, the rules, I don't want you to hear that. The rules are a relationship with God. And so for Adam to reject the rule, for Adam to disobey the rule was to, was to reject God. Adam made a conscious decision 
in that point to deny that God was good and trustworthy. He was being presented with an alternative view of reality. And this other view of reality was that God is not good. God actually does not want what's best for you. God actually wants to keep you under his control. He wants to confine you so that you can't become the fullness of what you're supposed to be. And that's why he doesn't want you to eat this particular fruit. And so Adam believed the lie that God didn't care about him, that God didn't want what was best for him and for his family. And I think when we understand that that's what was going on in the garden, I feel like we're still tempted by the same thought today, aren't we? I mean, we're still tempted to feel like God could be a killjoy, that God doesn't want what's best for us, that God doesn't want us having fun, that God wants to rain on our parade, right? We are tempted to feel like this about God and his ways. And so Adam's sin was actually rebellion. Like he was rebelling against the authority that put him there. Um, He let sin into the world by rebelling against God and rejecting God. And this drove a wedge like it does in any relationship. Right? If you disregard anybody, if you don't care what they say or how they feel, you drive a wedge in that relationship. You know, sin wasn't part of the world back then. Right? Sin was not God's design. But in the freedom of Adam's will, Adam left the circle of that loving relationship with God to be out on his own. And this brings death. This brings death. That's what verse 12 goes on to say, that sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so sin brings in death. And it's important for this verse to say this. It's important for you and I to be reminded of this because one of the biggest lies that sin has is that, no, 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 come on, hold on. Sin brings life. Don't you realize that sin is where the life is, right? This is where all the fun is. This is where all the good stuff is. This is where all the freedom is, right? That's what sin tempts us to think. Like when you say, hey, you get to do what you want. Come on, that's real freedom, isn't it? This verse tells us that sin brings death, that death entered the world through sin. And we have to understand this isn't just physical death. And we know this because From the very beginning, God said, in the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. And yet Adam and Eve ate and they didn't die. So what they experienced was a different kind of death. It was was bigger than physical death. They experienced the dynamic of spiritual death. This dynamic of being cut off from God. Okay, God is the source of love and joy and peace. God is a source of healthy relationships and encouragement. It's just, it's who God is, right? If you are connected to God, then you receive his love, his joy, his peace. You receive his his encouragement and his ability to encourage others. You receive God's understanding and his acceptance of others. And so everything that's good flows from a relationship with God. And if you cut yourself off from God, you cut yourself off from everything that he is. The reason why when you live in sin and you refuse to follow God, 
you begin to dry up inside is because you are cutting yourself off from the source of life. Conflict in relationships cut you off from the blessing of being with the person. And the same is true with God. And that is spiritual death because to know God, to walk with God, to be in communion with God is to be filled with who he is. And when you cut yourself off from him, his character will dry up from within you. And so again, this is the deceptive power of sin. It promises life, but it brings death. It promises freedom, but it brings slavery. And there is a, both a now and a more to come element of death. Okay, if you've been around Harbor for any length of time, um, you know that we talk about the blessings of God in these categories. There's blessings that we receive now, and then there's blessings that are in the future, but the future blessings are connected to what we experience now. And so God blesses us now, but every one of God's blessings is like a gift that's given to us, and there's a little tag on it. You know what that tag says? It says more to come. Every time you experience a blessing from God, there is more to come. God is just giving us a foretaste right now of the blessings that he has in store for us in the renewed heaven and earth that awaits those who follow Jesus. And so God says, look, there is so much more to come. If you think this is good, just wait. I'm just getting started in my blessing of you. Well, the reality is that in the same way that we experience a foretaste of God's future blessings, there is also um, this same reality with sin and death. With sin and death, there is a now and a more to come. And so the sadness, the loneliness, um, the bondage that we feel uh, because of sin the absence of God's presence in our lives because of sin, this also has a now and a more to come dynamic. It's going to get worse. There is lots worse coming in the future. God um, has designed the economy of the world so that this life becomes a foretaste of what's to come. And he's done this. He wants us on the negative side, on the judgment side, he wants to experience the negative effects of sin now so that we would leave it and return to him. He wants us to know that, gosh, like there's a reason why you feel empty after you are done sinning. It's because this road, this pathway leads to an eternal emptiness. Will you live apart from me? And so Adam sinned first. And he brought death in through sin. And it's important for us to see what happened so that we would stop repeating it in our lives. Okay? Because this is still what motivates a lot of our turning away from God. We might think that God has it out for us. We might think that God doesn't want what's best for us. We feel like we're missing out if we can't do what we feel like doing. We feel constrained by God's ways of living, and this is just us replaying the Garden of Eden, except we're the ones looking at the fruit and not him. And so this, um, like I just, I want you to see 
that not following God is cutting him out of our lives. I want you to see that um, deciding that God shouldn't tell us what to do, but we should decide for ourselves, again, is bringing sin deeper into our lives and into the world. Um, And this is why the next part of the verse says that death spread to all men. Okay, because Adam was, didn't just, his brokenness didn't just bring sin and death, but Adam, this is the third point I want you to write down, Adam was a broken leader. Okay, Adam was a broken leader. Okay, what Adam did, he did as a leader of the whole human race. His sin spread to all. His death spread to all. Adam's sinful leadership has infected us all. And this verse shows us, this this phrase, and so death spread to all men, shows us how important leadership is. Okay, what leaders do matters. We experience this brokenness, and the brokenness that we experience, the brokenness of sin in all of its forms, and death in all of its forms, comes from a broken leader. Because of what Adam did, we are born into a world that is broken and frustrating and guilty before God. And this continues to be true today. What leaders continue to do continues to matter today. Um, What leaders do affects those who follow them. Right? Leaders affect their followers. There are some people who consciously follow their leaders and the brokenness even of their leaders. But there are many people who simply get swept up in, the, in, the, in sort of the culture that their leadership creates. Um, it's good for us to name this. Okay? It's important for us to name this. Because do we have personal responsibility? Yes, we do. We make decisions all day long. In some ways, if you want to stick it in the leadership category, the first people that we lead are ourselves. Um, And so we have personal responsibility. We're going to talk about this actually next week. But what creates the culture that we swim in is leadership. Okay? If we don't see this, we're not going to recognize enough of the problem that we experience in our lives. If we don't name the reality that we have leaders who are over us and who are broken and their brokenness is infecting the world that we live in and producing a culture that is against God in so many ways. If we don't do that, we're going to live as though it's all about us. It's all up to us and we need to fix it. It's only about what we've done wrong. We're going to actually miss, we need to name the powers that contribute to our lives. Um, and they're not all bad. It's, it's both good and bad. Um, in some ways, leadership is like a magnet. Um, I think in each of us, there is an image of God. Like all of us are made in God's image, and that is very good. The image of God that's in us, no matter who we are, is good. But then inside of us, there's also sin, and that is very bad. Um, And then for Christians, there's the work of God in us by his Holy Spirit. And that also is very good. Um, And so into this mix, right, into this mix of our hearts and the mix of our minds and the mix of our emotions, the mix of the things that we say and think and feel and do, in the midst of all of this, our leaders, they're like magnets. 
the leaders that we have, they're like magnets, and whatever they are like, they pull their likeness out of us. Good leaders pull goodness out of us. Bad leaders pull the worst out of us. This is sort of how the world works. And so if we aren't intentional, we will become like our leaders. Um, Leaders, by the nature of them being in leadership, whatever they do, whatever they say, creates space so that other people can occupy that space and be like them. So there are things that... So both sides of the aisle are broken in, in, in our political world today. But there is a type of communication that exists right now. There are groups of people who have a voice right now who never had a voice before our president was elected. Um, and our president seems to want to use certain aspects of his communication to inflame people, to insult people, to belittle people, to make fun of people. And this is part of the curse, okay? Um, There is good and bad on both sides of the political aisle. There are things about our president that I think are very good. There are things about our president that I think are very bad. This is one very bad thing. As an illustration of the kind of impact that leaders have, on our culture. There are people saying things and acting like things and thinking things that they couldn't think before or would have been ashamed to think of or to say out loud before. And this is an example of how leadership can affect us as a culture and bring things out of us as individuals. If we're not intentional, we will become like our leaders. And so this is why we should be concerned about the values or lack of values in our politics. This is why we should be concerned and thankful that the garbage is being brought out, some of the garbage is being brought out of the open in Hollywood, right? These are people who are making cultural decisions and shaping everything that we see and the stories that we hear. And these are the people, and this is the kind of people that we're behind, I mean, they're making decisions that have such a radical shaping on our culture and we're only finding out now, it's only coming to light now, just how evil some of them are. And I've been thinking, gosh, like, what are we doing? And people say, oh, well, you know what? Character doesn't really matter. All that matters is what you do and the products of what, and it's like, well, look at the products of some of the leaders in our world right now, in our country, Do we really want these people making decisions that are going to shape what you and I think about, what we watch, what we like, what we root for? Um, And so there are these leaders out there. We can't escape being influenced by them. That's why this is so important. I think closer to home, I mean, this isn't just the leaders out there, but this is also the leaders in here. You think about the impact that family members have, that parents have on their children. Think about the influence and the leadership roles that happen in the workplace, right? The the leaders that we have influence and shape us. Um, They radically affect us, both for good or for for evil, Um, And as I think about this, 
um, part of me says, well, gosh, this is so clearly the way the world works, right? This is so clearly, I mean, in so many, in so few words, he's captured so much of things that are broken in the world. And, um, and it's important. The other thing that I think about is like, wait, wait, hold on. This isn't fair, right? Like, how is this fair? We're born into a world that's already broken, that's already filled with sin, it's already filled with evil. Like, how is this fair? Like, I feel like I've been dealt from the bottom of the deck against a dealer who's got all the cards stacked, you know, in his favor. Like, how in the world is it fair that this is how the world is? Um, and there's two thoughts here. One that I'll talk about more. Um, this is actually the product of free will. So if you want free will, this is what comes along with it. Because if you have free will, then what we do actually matters, both for good or for bad. And, if, and so if you have free will, we're going to talk more about that next week. Um, but before we talk about that, I want you to know that if you feel that way, if you feel like this isn't fair, the Bible was written for you. In fact, in some ways, the Bible was written by you. The Bible was written by people who wrestled with this, who struggled with this, who thought, wait, hold on, this isn't fair. Throughout the Bible, people have actually cried out to God to fix it. In the book of Isaiah, it got so bad that at one point, Isaiah said, God, would you just rip open the heavens and come down? God, would you just come and fix this? Fix this brokenness. And God responded by saying, look, I wanted this to be fixed by human beings, by people who would turn the tide of this evil in the world. And I looked, but there was no one. I looked and there was no one. And so if you are crying out with this kind of heart, with this kind of voice, with this kind of complaint, the fourth point is for you. And the fourth point that what you see today is that Christmas is God's answer. Christmas is God's answer. The good news of Christmas is that even in the wake of the worst of leaders doing awful things to the world, Jesus has come and he has done something different. Christmas means that God has responded. The hopes and fears of all of the years are met in thee tonight. This is Christmas. Yes, God, why is life this way? And Christmas is the answer. Um, Now, you might not like God's answer. You might not think that Christmas is sufficient in answer. Um, in light of the world's evils. But in God's infinite wisdom, God decided that the best way to handle this is to come at that first Christmas. This is such a big deal that God decided to come personally and be the leader that we need. That Jesus came as God on earth, providing personal leadership to make things right. And Jesus came as a true human being so that he would personally taste and understand exactly what it's like to be us, to struggle with temptation, to be affected and influenced by bad leadership 
over him and around him, to be a part of an oppressive government that was maniacally egotistical, right? That Jesus experienced abusive leadership. Jesus experienced even the negative influence of friends who didn't understand him. Right? Jesus endured the authority of false accusations and false and a mock trial that condemned him. And he endured all of these things so that he could do some things, so that he could understand truly what it's like to be human the way you experience humanness. Jesus did this so that he could look you in the eye and say, honestly, I understand Like, I know what it's like. I get the struggle. I know how long you've been waiting. I know how difficult it is to be patient. I know that you have been radically abused. I understand. Jesus endured all of this so that he could be the leader that we need. That just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all, so also righteousness and perfection entered into the world through one man and eternal life through righteousness and eternal life spread to all through Jesus. And Jesus came to lift up human beings and to renew us, to create a new humanity, a new kind of people, a new way of living that's God-oriented. So we're not talking about just being like a good person, but we're talking about being fully devoted to God, to walking in relationship with him where you as a human being would be a place where heaven and earth come together. A life that's love-directed, where everything that you do is out of a desire to put the needs of others ahead of yourself. This is the life that Jesus came to bring and he came to give us this life so that we would be lifted up as human beings. He did this to make us new. Like as our leader, he affects us in the same way that Adam has affected us all and his death has spread to all. So Jesus affects us and we're gonna see this played out in the verses that follow. And so we can rejoice that the king has come, that God's promised king has come, and that the king, this new king, Jesus, this new leader can lead us in a new direction with as much power and more power than the old leader did. It's not fair that we're broken by sin into a broken world, but Christmas is a chance to celebrate that God has also saved us in a way that isn't fair. That he has come to save us when we didn't even want to be saved. He has come to rescue us and to change us. And he's done that through the work of Jesus, completed long before any of us were even born. And the light of Jesus is shining Let his light shine in your life. Be filled with his light and let him lead you. Merry Christmas. Let's pray together. Jesus, oh God, we need you. We need your leadership. 
And I pray that you would show us the areas that we continue to be infected by the awful leadership that has destroyed your world, that's destroyed our hearts, and lead us in a new way. Lead us by your love and your power and plant your light into our dark places so that we would embrace your light and follow you wherever you lead. I pray this for my Christian brothers and sisters and for those who are here and are not following you. Jesus, would you draw them to yourself? Would you stir in them their desperate need for your leadership and your love? so that you might change them from the inside out. And we pray this in your name. Amen.